Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Today I want to talk to you about transformation. And uh, the title of this message today is Change My Mind. Change My Mind. And uh, I think there's something powerful about when God begins to change our minds. And I want to talk about it today a little bit. Uh, But if you have your Bible today, I'll kind of give the big ticket uh, thesis. The next three or four weeks, I'll try my best to kind of unload and unpack what I I feel so strong that God wants to do in California. Some people just want out of California, but I'll let you know is that what happens here will find its way everywhere else. And if we retreat California, it will find us in Tennessee. It will find us in Idaho. It will find us in Texas. Some of us have to stand. Come on, having done all, to stand. So we're going to stand here, and I believe that God is going to use us to bring transformation to this region. And as Southern California is transformed, so goes the world. Can I get an amen? If I can't get a Pentecostal amen, I'll take a Baptist head nod. You give me Presbyterian eyebrow raise. I take even LDS deep breath sometimes. And give me what you got. We're going to have a good time today. Come out in Jesus' name. I'm going to um, get my Bible today. We're going to, I'm just kidding. Seriously, though, if that's real. Um, come out quickly and quietly. If you have your Bible, uh, Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to turn to today. If you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to read a few verses here. Very familiar passage. Maybe the, maybe the most inaccurate name, uh, subtitle in your Bible, it's, it's been famous, uh, famously referred to as the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. Uh, the issue is, is it's probably not the Lord's prayer. It's probably the Lord showing the disciples how to pray. It should be called the Lord's prayer to teach the disciples how to pray. But it wasn't, it was too long. So the, the, the guys were like, let's just go Lord's prayer. So uh, today I'm going to read that. Familiar for many of you. But I think sometimes it's the familiar parts of the Bible that we miss out on. So I would ask you today, look at it with a fresh set of eyes. And again, I want to talk about transformation of the world, but I want to start with you and how God transforms the individual that actually brings transformation to the family. And when the families change, the cul-de-sacs changed, and when the neighborhoods are changed, it goes all the way to the nations. We're going to get shirts made, Ocean's Church, neighborhoods to nations. And that's what God's going to do. So, Mike will work on that. Um, Matthew chapter 6, let's read this morning. It says, uh, Jesus is talking. Uh, this is a very famous passage of scripture. He's talking about praying and giving and fasting. But when he starts talking about praying, he says, hey, don't be like the, the Pharisees. They like to be heard for their loud words and their long prayers. Um, just remember this, that your father knows the things that you need before you ask him. Verse 9. Therefore, if you want to pray, pray like this. This is the way, this is the model. Say with me, model. Here's the model for praying. Jesus says, our Father, our who? Some of you need to start right here. Some of you are burnt out Pharisees because you think it's our God or our sovereign deity that's so scary to approach that I can't talk to you like my family. Jesus right out of the gate bursts some religious bubbles and says, hey, talk to God like you talk to your dad. Our Father who is in heaven. Where's God at? He says, awesome, hallowed be your name. It's interesting in verse 10, he says, um, your 
your kingdom. I'll talk more about this in the future, but a big theme of the entire New Testament was the kingdom of God. He says, your kingdom come, your will be, that's where we usually miss it, on, where does he want it done at? As it is where? On, as it is in, what is the model of earth? Heaven. Sometimes when we pray, we go, how do you pray? I think that we're supposed to evaluate our priorities in prayer by what heaven would desire. We pray on earth as it is in heaven. It's a big idea today. So he goes on, he says, uh, and give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts. That's why we know it's the disciples' prayer and not Jesus because Jesus didn't have any debts. He didn't have any sins as we forgive our sinners, debtors. He says, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory forever. He says, amen. Romans chapter 12, we'll read two verses. I'll pray. We'll lift up the Lakers. We'll get started. You guys ready? Romans 12 says, I beseech you, therefore, by the brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. The problem with living sacrifices is if they don't like the altar, they can crawl off. Living sacrifices, holy, acceptable to God, which is, Paul says to the Romans, your reasonable service. Famous verse. And he says this, do not be conformed to CNN, to Fox News, Newsmax, whatever it is you watch. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your, your mind. How do you become transformed? By the renewing of your, renewing your mind. That you may be able to prove, say with me, prove it. That you may be able to prove what is the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. How do you prove God's perfect will? By living with a renewed mind. How do you not be conformed to all the darkness in the world? By being transformed. By the renewing of your mind. I believe that God wants to renew all of our minds. Most important message that the earth needs to hear is that Jesus died to save us. And if Jesus can't save you from sin, only death can, then death is your savior, not Jesus. Jesus can save us from sin. And when he saves us from sin, the second most important message of humanity is God has the power to change your mind. He can get you to heaven, and he can get heaven into your mind. Two most important messages on the earth. Get to heaven, and get the heaven into your mind. I thought I was going to say something else. I want to I pray real fast. Lord, we just thank you. That you're the God that has the power to change our minds. Would you lead us today? Would you guide us today? We thank you that our model is on earth as it is in heaven. Meet us where we are. If we're in doubt, disbelief, if we've been hurt by the church, if we're, if we're exhausted Pharisees, if we're burnt out on religion, if we've given up on God, if maybe we're Muslim, New Age, we believe in crystals and tarot cards and Ouija boards, if we're into the occult, I pray, Lord, today you would meet us where we are. You're the God that meets us in light and in darkness. So lead us today, guide us today, and meet with us today. And we pray we have an awesome day. You bless the Lakers. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 Who's ever changed their mind before?
Are we really asking this question? Are some of you really not responding to this? Never. I've been the same. I've changed my mind a bunch. One of the things I've changed my mind on is haircuts. Have you ever looked back at photo albums and been like, why? Who lied to you? Who lied to you? I have a childhood picture of me wearing a Kentucky waterfall of love called a mullet. That was the haircut of the 80s. And some of you are like, it's still going strong, brother. I had a mullet business up front party in the back. I was in second grade. My brother had a, crisp, or a Halloween party at school, harvest party. Come on for you Christians. Don't tune me out. I thought this guy was a Christian. He said Halloween. Settle down. We, I was at this school. Uh, my older brothers, all these cool kids were there. I was dressed up as a cowboy. I had my long hair flowing out of the back of the cowboy hat, had my boots on, vest on, Buzz Lightyear, uh, or Woody badge. And I remember tripping over a hay bale in the classroom. And I'll never forget the teacher. She was so concerned in front of the entire older class that she said this so loud. She goes, are you okay, you cute little cowgirl? (laughs) Mom, would you cut my long hair? True story. I changed my mind about hairstyles. Certainly changed my mind about clothes. You grew up in the 80s and the 90s. Come on. Remember crisscross, make you jump, jump. Wearing your cross colors backwards. I love that. Just right over Orange County. (laughs) Antelope Valley, there'd be a standing ovation. People had their knives out, guns out. Heck yeah. I, uh... Change clothing styles. I'm sure we'll watch videos and pictures of today and be like, what were you doing in your wife's jeans? Um, it's amazing how we change. I, I had taste palettes. Anybody has, have a taste palette that changed? I, I grew up believing that green olives were manufactured in hell. It's like, keep that demonic little circular sphere far away from me. Then one day I was like 25 and I'm like, that just looks good. I only liked dill pickles growing up. I couldn't stand those little, like, butter, butter, nasty non-dills. Couldn't stand them. And now I'm like, I like sweet relish. It's crazy how sometimes in life you change your mind. Can I get an amen? It's kind of like when you change from elementary school to junior high. You're like, I'm looking forward to this change. I'm getting out of elementary. I'm going to junior high. First day at PE, you have to dress down. I don't like this place. I want to go back. First day of high school, you're like, finally, I'm with, the, I'm with my people. And you're four foot two. And you meet someone with a mustache and a car. I don't belong here. I'm new. I don't know what I'm doing. It's crazy. It's amazing how things change. They change. Transformation is a part of life. That's why he says, and and Paul writes to the Romans, and he says, I'll be honest with you, you will either be conformed to the world, or you will transform the world. And I want to make it very simple for everyone listening today, is that we are either going to be transformed into the image of the world, or we will transform the world. There's no third option. Is we're either influencing it, or it's influencing us. 
And many people today are so transformed, or I should say conformed, that we've missed out on the desires of God. Say it with me, on earth as it is in heaven. First thing you got to understand about God in heaven is he wants everybody there. we got to get this weird belief in our head that God only likes certain people. God loves all people. The Bible I read says that God's desire is that all men would be saved. That all men would come to the knowledge of the truth. For God so loved the church. God so loved the, that he gave his only begotten son. First thing we got to do if we're going to get the right transformational thoughts into our head is that God is in this for everyone. He doesn't play favorites. He doesn't say, I love my oldest and my youngest, but the, the middle ones, ah. He's not like that. He loves all of his kids. Second thing we got to understand is, is that heaven is our model for earth. You ever seen like a, a puzzle box? When you get all those pieces, you're like, oh my gosh, this is a mess. I'm going to be here for the next 16 years. You dump the puzzle pieces on the coffee table. Have you ever tried to put a puzzle together without the cover of the box? It's really hard to put that thing together. I'll tell you why, because you have no model to look at. When we read the Bible, it is like having the cover of what our lives are supposed to become. That's why God gave us this book. It is the, it is the outside shell of what earth is supposed to be looked like when God assimilates us. And many times we don't realize this. We realize, well, on earth as it is. Now, is that really the model? Yes, it is. And when God changes our minds, he begins to change the world. The transformation of the world starts with a on earth as it is in heaven mentality. Some of you today will never change your marriage until you let God change your mind. Never change your business until God changes your heart. God starts, say with me, with us. He always does. He always has. God always builds the individuals before he builds cities. God always builds the person before he builds the movement. And I believe that God is looking for people that have the right template, the right model. I'll be honest, I think sometimes we have an unhealthy conclusion about how things are supposed to end up. Can you imagine if someone gave you the pieces of a, of a, uh, a Paris Eiffel Tower puzzle, they gave you the pieces of the Eiffel Tower, but the actual cover was a picture of the Empire State Building. If you were trying to use the right pieces with the wrong conclusion, I believe this is a picture of what Christians oftentimes do, is we have a wrong end conclusion. And because we see the church as a broken down bride with a black eye, missing teeth, we think that Jesus has to come back for this woman that's broken down. That the kingdom of God has to, has to survive. Tread water, come on. <laughs> Tired of treading water out here in the big bad world. I believe that unhealthy conclusions about how things are supposed to end, they shape our worldview. The wrong view undermines God's commission. Jesus prayed, hear me, on earth as it is in. What's our goal? What's our model? Come on, say it like you mean it. What? We're scared sometimes. We're like, well, what's heaven like? Well, the Bible I read says there's no tears in heaven. There's no confusion in heaven. 
There's no unforgiveness, slandering, gossip, malicious behavior, cheating. Are you hearing me? Lying. So if we want to know what we're building, we got to look at what heaven is like. I, I like cars. Yeah, praise God. I like cars. Anybody like cars? Any car people? I like cars. My stepdad is a really cool muscle car. It's a 1970 convertible Hemi Cuda. And it's a, it's a beautiful car. And uh, just imagine for a second, this is going to require some faith. But let's, re- let's imagine for a second that I own a restoration shop. Okay? That I'm a mechanic. A lot of faith there, okay? <laughs> Rochelle's like, you can't install a dimmer switch. I'm like, true. It's a story. Um, so I have a restoration shop. You bring your car to me. And you say this to me. You say, hey, Mark, I want you to restore this car to its former glory. I want you to make it as beautiful as you can. Okay. And uh, spare no expense. All right, I can do that. So I start working on your car. Imagine this, though. If you came to me, and halfway through the renovation, I heard a preacher tell this story one time. It stuck with me. Halfway through the renovation, you found out, I found out, that you were going to, Enter that car when I'm done with it in a demolition derby. That what I'm restoring is going to be destroyed until every last car is not running. I want to ask you a question. Would the knowledge of the demolition derby affect the quality of my work to restore it? If you knew that this car, that you're, you're losing sleep at night, my perfectionist mentalities is going to minimize. I'm like, what's the big deal with a little dent in the bodywork if this whole car is going to be destroyed? It's amazing that my end goal would affect the quality of my work. The intended end of something has everything in the world to do with our vision and our hope for it. And the quality of labor that we put into it. Much of the church today has a demolition due a derby picture of the church. Jesus is coming back for a broke down, busted, and disgusted church that's hiding in caves. We're waiting for the Left Behind series. We're trying to huddle and cuddle and suck our thumbs in the fetal positions in Christian ghettos until Jesus rescues us from the world. And we have this demolition derby of a sinful, dark, dilapidated bride in earth with her teeth missing and eyes blackened and broken bones with a big, bad world dominating it. It's a rescue from the derby, not the power of the gospel to transform. Problem with this theological worldview is that when you think things are just going to keep worse and worse and worse and darker and darker and darker, listen to me. The problem is, is the people that have changed the world with God and for God never believe that way. I'm not lying to you. Study the Reformation. Martin Luther didn't go, well, it is what it is. That'll preach. The first and second great awakenings were not led by people that said, it is what it is. Things are going to hell. Might as well just settle somewhere, buy some land, and live off the land. I do not read in history men and women of God that had a complacent view that things were going to deteriorate. I see men and women that changed the world by saying, on earth as it is in heaven. In Orange County, as it is 
in heaven, in my family, as it is in heaven. And if my, my, my kids aren't cutting themselves in heaven, I'm not settling for it here on earth. And there's no arguing in heaven. I'm not going to be arguing. Are you hearing me today? If I'm not mad at people in heaven, I'm not mad at people on earth. We settle for a worldview that's not godly. And you're putting together the Eiffel Tower with a picture of the Empire State Building. God's end goal for earth is heaven. That's why in Revelations it talks about new heavens and new earth. Many people think that God is going to give us some disembodied bliss, that we're going to be in heaven wearing harps and huggies, playing on the clouds. Friends, that's not heaven, that's hell. Not quite, but closer to. Are you hearing me today? In heaven, you will have responsibility. In heaven, the Bible's clear, it talks so much about heaven, that God will give us work, but it's meaningful. He'll make some of us ruler over cities. We're going to build with God and for God like the sandlot. For and That's right. And some of you need to realize this, that heaven is not like, well, just some disembodied, I want to go there, but I don't want to know God before, before then. God wants such a preview of heaven here that it whets your appetite of what's to come. I believe the New Testament church is an apostolic movement. What does that mean? In the ancient world, basically the word apostle was, was used by the Romans, borrowed by the Greeks, and Jesus borrowed it from the Romans. And the word apostle was the idea of a leading ship in a fleet from Rome. And the idea was is that this ship would go into an area of the world that Rome conquered. And that leading ship would go into that region and would change the educational system to Rome's educational system. They would change the language to Rome's language. They would change the roads to Roman roads. They would change the politics to Rome's politics. Listen to me. And the reason why they would do that is because at the chance the emperor would ever leave Rome and go into one of his colonies, when he got there, he would feel at home. When Jesus is the king of all kings, he preached the message of the kingdom of God. The idea was, is repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at, it's here now. The king's domain, his rulership is here now. And when the king rules in a region, when he comes into a tent that's on earth as it is in heaven, he feels like a little bit like he's in Rome. These people are singing like we were in Rome. They're praying like we're in Rome. On earth as it is in we want to build a church that God feels at home in. I feel like I'm in heaven's environment right now because of the attitude of the people here. Are you hearing me today? On earth as it is in. If you have a demolition derby view of the church that it's going to just fall apart, that's what you build towards. But if we believe that God can build Orange County as it is in heaven, do you see how this affects the way we live? I'm telling you today that God's heart is on earth as it is in heaven. God's desire is for something great to happen in your world, but he starts by doing something in your mind. Where does revival start? It starts in your mind, and it starts in your heart. 
God's desire for something great to happen in your world starts by him doing something great in your mind. The one scholar said, where the mind goes, the man follows. You know why some of you think that things are going to get worse and worse and worse? Because that's where your mind goes. The man follows. Thoughts are the seeds to the fruit that's in your life. I would tell you today that you are living the harvest of yesterday's thoughts. And the thoughts you tolerate today will be your reality tomorrow. And the reason why I believe God is going to use Ocean's Church as one of the great, many churches in Orange County, that are going to be part of ushering into the greatest spiritual awakening Southern California's ever seen is because it's in our thoughts. Today's seed thoughts become tomorrow's harvest. And so many people live with a wilderness mentality. They have stinking thinking. They have a wrong thinking. Thinking that keeps you in bondage. It's like when God rescued the children of Israel through the Red Sea, ten mighty signs and wonders, and they get to the other side, and for 40 years, God's, God brought us here to kill us. I'm so hungry. Why would God lead us here? We should have just stayed in bondage. It was better in bondage. I'm telling you right now, that trip should have taken 11 days. From Red Sea Crossing, Promised Land, if you walk straight, normal stops, 11 days. How many years? 40. Why would you spend 40 years on an 11-day trip? I'll tell you one, one reason. It's, it, was, it was between their ears. They still thought like they were in bondage. And I believe many people have a wilderness mentality because they have not been transformed by the renewing of their minds. The word transformed is the word metamorpho. It's where we get the word metamorphosis. It's the idea that God has the power to transform your mind from a caterpillar to a... Come on, I'm a beautiful butterfly. God wants you to turn into a beautiful butterfly. The problem is, as many of you crawl your entire lives, and you hate it. You want you hate it? Because God never made you your whole life to crawl. It's a season. And I believe that when you let God renew your mind, you go into the cocoon of heaven, and you say, on earth as it is in. There is a season of cocoon called sanctification. It is the idea that you spend time with God and say, God, I grew up in an environment that crawled with gossip, crawled with slander, crawled with greed, crawled with selfishness, crawled with lust, crawled with pornography, crawled with, with, with uh, impure ideas, crawled with, with cynicism. I grew up in a household that crawled. But would you transform me by the renewing of my mind? Let me tell you a secret today. Your goal is not to die like your biological parents. You, you're born looking like your parents, but you die looking like what you worship. And if you worship God, you will die looking like him. See, the truth is, many people don't tell you this, but you will always start looking like what you worship. You worship sports, all you talk about, sports, 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 sports. You worship money, all about money, 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 money. You worship sex, it's just sexual, 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 sexual. I'm telling you, you will talk about what you worship. Where the mind goes, the man. And some of you are going the wrong way because your mind crawling 
problem is, is a, a futile, a darkened mind is usually, according to Ephesians 4, a byproduct of a hard heart. And I've learned that most people aren't atheists because they don't believe in God. It's because they had a bad experience with someone that said they knew him. Dad was a Christian, didn't, didn't live like one. Went to a church, didn't seem like heaven. It seemed like on earth as it is in hell. My gosh. Where is the church that people can't get enough of? Where is the kingdom that people drive miles and miles? You know how many people drive? If you drive further than 30 miles to come to this church, raise your hand real high. More than 30 miles. Look at that right now. Probably 60 people in this tent. Drive more than 30 minutes. Why? Because the church alive is worth the drive. Come on. Many people don't realize that God is looking for a people that they say on earth as it is. Are you with me today? They spent 11 days. They should have spent 11 days, 40 years, because of their thoughts. Your thoughts become your words, and your words become your life. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your life. The Bible says in James that, that a man's mouth is like the rudder of a ship. It's like a bit in a horse's mouth. And it has the power to guide us wherever our mouth says. We're made in the image of God. Notice that when God created everything, he didn't say, I want a Lego set. He didn't say, someone give me some dirt. Someone give me some water. When God created, he created everything with his. And the Bible says, and God, and God, come on, and God said. How did God create everything with his? You know what your reality is? Oftentimes it's a byproduct of your beliefs in your mind. That come out of your mouth in word form. I, man, I hate this. My life stinks. I'm so depressed. I need more help. I need more counseling. I need more medicine. I need more. I'm never going to be happy. I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to get out of debt. I'm never going to be fulfilled. I'm never going to, I'm never, listen to me. You are a byproduct of that garbage that's floating between your ears. God says, stop crawling on your stomachs. I made you to be an overcomer. You're the seed of David. You're, you're a child of God. Listen to me. If, if the most athletic man married the most athletic woman, they would not expect their kids to be unathletic. Okay, what's going to happen? We're going to have freaks. That's what we're going to have. All of our kids are going to be freaks. They're going to run. They're going to jump. They're going to climb. They're going to be fast. They're going to be athletic because it's in us. And if it's in us, it'll be in our kids. I need you to look at me today. You are made in the image of God. You are made, and maybe you don't have God's vertical leap, but maybe you have God's eyesight. And maybe you don't have his eyesight, but maybe you have God's heart. And you have compassion that runs deep in you. Some of you might not have his heart, but you have, your, you have an administrative brain like God's. You know what's funny? During the Olympics we get a revelation of how the world understands glory. Because all the articles during the Olympics is men and women in pursuit of glory. We understand glory. Glory is like my cousin going to Kobe Bryant's last basketball game and watching him put up over 60 points. He said, Mark, it was like being in revival. I was squeezing strangers. <laughs> High-fiving everybody. 
I was crying. He goes, it was the most amazing thing. He says, to witness the glory of maybe one of the greatest final games in any sports history. He said it was glorious. You watch Michael Phelps swim in a pool at his peak, glorious. Hussein Bolt run a 100-yard dash in his prime, come on, glorious. When we do things at our best, it's, it's in many ways, it's an expression of God's. Chariots of fire, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Glory, glory. I believe many people don't realize that God made you in his image. You're not made to crawl your whole life. You might have, you might have been born into a family that crawls, but you're not made to crawl. And I have good news for you today. The gospel's good news that you might have been born in a crawling environment, but you don't have to die a crawler. We worship a God that flies. It says that we will mount up on wings like eagles. Are you hearing me today? I believe today that many people don't realize that their thoughts become their words, the words become their life, and you're either going to make an impact on the world around us or the world will impact you. Those are the two options. And it's impossible to live a godly life with a godless mind. You know what the Bible says about the wicked? It says God is in none of their thoughts. Wickedness isn't just a celebration of evil. It is the absence of God. God is in none of his. Can I ask you today, is God in your thoughts? Is heaven in your thoughts? Is the agenda of God on the earth in your when we build Ocean's Church, I'm not building, comparing it to other churches. Well, this church is doing this, and that church did this, and this church is doing that. What is in the heart of God for Ocean's? That's what we're building. We gauge success the wrong ways. It's not butts in the seats. It's are we building a church that God does not want to leave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what we're going to do. I believe that God's heart. His heart is for, for, for his mind to get inside of us. It says that we have the mind of Christ. You'll never live a bright life with a dark mind. You'll never live a straight life with a crooked mind. It's amazing to me that he gives on earth as it is in heaven. Watch me in the context of prayer. I want you to know, I believe, I'm going to talk more about this in the weeks to come, that the secret to actually becoming like Jesus is spending time talking to Jesus. Watch this. The disciples, they don't solicit any request. They don't say, Jesus, teach me how to have words of knowledge like Sean Bowles. Jesus, teach me how to worship like Carrie Job. Jesus, teach me how to write songs like Kimmy Walker. Jesus, teach me how to preach like, like Judah Smith. Jesus, teach me, how to, teach me how to be famous. Teach me how to be an influencer. There is no request about anything except, hey, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? As John taught his disciples, I think the reason why they asked to learn how to pray is because they realized that everything that Jesus did was connected to the times he had renewing his mind in prayer. I love this verse. The word transformed is only two times in the Bible. Romans 12. And it shows up one other time. The word metamorpho, where we get metamorphosis. It turns up in uh, Matthew 17, verse 2, when Jesus was transfigured on the mount. The mount, the mount of transfiguration, the, the word trans, transfigured is the same word, metamorpho. Here's the idea of being transformed. It's otherworldly. 
It says his robes became white as snow. That glory shined off of him. This is crazy. It literally says that when they looked at it, it transformed Jesus, he looked otherworldly. This is the idea of being renewed by God. Is that you were born looking like your parents and their bad habits. But when you worship God, that he transforms you into this otherworldly. I don't know what happened to you, man, but you started going to that church, started reading your Bible, you started worshiping and praying, and your vocabulary is otherworldly. Your ethics are otherworldly. Your standards, your convictions. All the other guys have these loose morality, flirting with servers that aren't their spouses, low, low conviction levels, low purity levels, tolerating darkness and perversion in their families. But for some reason... God got a hold of your heart. You seem otherworldly. What changed in you? I don't think we change because we change. I think we change, number one. I have a bunch of points, but I just feel like God said, break them all into each week. Here's this week's. We change because of, we're transformed, number one, by God's glory. I would land the plane today with one big idea. You won't just change because you read your Bible. You won't just change because you pray. You won't just change because you sing a song. Those are all part of it. But I'll tell you the first thing that I know about transformation is it says in Corinthians, Paul writes it this way. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, he says, the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is, there is liberty, right? Freedom and liberty. Verse 18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror. So watch this. You're looking in a mirror, beholding the glory of the Lord. Watch what he says are being transformed, here it is again, into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Do you know how you're transformed? By seeing God's glory. How do you see His glory? Man, you can see His glory in a lot of ways. I see His glory when His presence shows up. How do you experience His presence? The Bible says in Psalms 22, it says that God abides or he inhabits, verse 3, the praises of his people. You want God to show up? Lift up thanksgiving to him. Where God is praised, God's presence falls. I'll tell you, some of you don't have any glory in your life because there's no praise. Some of you would skip church service because you go, I just like the message part of the service. Well, you would because this is for you. But the music, it's for God. We sing in the beginning, not for us. That's why some of you got to, you're twisted. You're like, they didn't sing my song today. It's not your song. I didn't really like the song selection. It was, they didn't sing my favorite song today. It's not about you. We're not singing for you. Listen to me. These guys aren't up here singing for you. They're up here leading you into singing for him. And when he is high, and when he is lifted up, he is the one that draws all men, all women, all tribes, all tongues, all nations. He's the one that draws all people to himself. And I'm telling you, that's why some of you like this church. Because you're like, man, these people sing here like God's listening. You ever been to a church that are singing like God doesn't care? He's listening. And I'll tell you that when God's presence shows up, you feel His glory. The word glory in 2 Corinthians is the Greek word doxa. 
it means it means beauty or majesty the glory of god is the splendor of god it's it's the doxa you know our verse for starting this church god gave me a dream he gave me he, uh, habakkuk chapter 2 he says for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the of the what god wanted to fill the world with knowledge of not not knowledge listen to me if knowledge could change people the only problem with humanity would be a lack of education if we could fix every problem of greed selfishness wars terrorism if the only problem with humanity was a lack of information all we'd have to do is educate people better some people think that's the answer the problem is we are information rich and we're still bankrupt in our morality What's the problem? It's not knowledge. It's, it's the absence of the knowledge of God's glory. I'll tell you what knowledge changes people. The knowledge of glory. You know what glory is in the, in the Old Testament? It's the word kabob. Kabod. K-O-B-O-D. Kabod. It means weight. It means a heavy weight presence. You ever been in an environment where God shows up and you just go, oh my gosh. You're overwhelmed with his glory. You start crying, not because the preaching's good, but because the glory's real. You start crying out, holy, holy, holy. Not because you have a good voice, but because you sense glory. You surrender your heart to God's agenda, not because you trust God all the way. It's because you feel his glory. He's here. He can do more with my life than I can do with it. I want to live for his glory. Some of you have never changed your mind because you've never welcomed his glory. Would you, would you, would you uh, be willing to surrender some pride, some of your ego, and say, God, I want to make room for your glory? Anybody, I don't know where you are today, just I want to know his glory. Moses says, if your glory, if, if you don't go with us, he said, show me. Moses wasn't hungry, man, for gold. He wasn't hungry for girls. He wasn't hungry for glory for himself. He was hungry for God's. I talked to a lady after first service. She says, when you started speaking about glory, God gave me a reason to live. She said, I want to live for God's glory. I'll tell you, the foundation of a significant life is a man or a woman that enlist to this idea that I want to live for your glory. I want to demonstrate your glory in the boardroom until the boardroom turns into God's throne room. I want to demonstrate your glory in the way that I do my, my law, and if you're a lawyer, the way that you teach your class, if you're an elementary school teacher. You demonstrate God's glory by saying, God, would you fill me with your agenda? with your magazine, with your, with your travels, with your, with your raising up of your sons and your daughters. God, I want to live. And I believe that we transform Orange County. We let God's glory transform our minds. It says, as in a mirror, we behold His glory. How do you know when God's glory is in your mind? It's when your mind gets free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is how do you know if your mind's free? This is very, very good, good thought. Freedom is doing what you love to do if what you love to do is what you should do. I'll say it again. It's kind of tricky, right? Your mind is free 
Because freedom is doing what you love to do if what you love to do is what you should do. Some of you aren't free because you're doing what you should not do. You're not free, you're not happy, you're not fulfilled because you're doing it, but it's not bringing satisfaction. It is the agenda of you, it's not the agenda of God's glory. God's glorious agenda leads us back to His desires. And when His desires become ours, and His appetite becomes ours, and the way He sees the homeless man is the way that you see the homeless man. And the, are you hearing me today? And the way you, you burn for the lost, and you burn for Orange County, and the way you see the church. I tell you, friends, God is not coming back for a weak church in Orange County. He's not coming back for a church that the divorce rates are as high in the church as outside of it. Where, where abuse is going is just as strong in the church as outside of the church. we got to change these things. Substance abuse should not be the same in God's house as it is outside of it. On earth as it is in. What's our model, Mark? Heaven. What's our agenda? Heaven. When are we going to be settled until the kingdom of our world becomes the kingdom of our God. That's when we're happy. And you're like, Mark, can that really happen? Well, it's, it's happening in moments of history when serious men and women took up a serious stance. You see, the, the key to a transformed mind is a steady gaze at Jesus and on his glory. That's why I love to close my eyes when I worship, I lift my hands, and I just invite his glory. God, show me, like Moses, show me your glory. Show me your, glory means attributes. God, if you're kind, show me your kindness. If you're generous, show me your generosity. If you're merciful, show me your mercy. God, if you're loving, show me your love. Show me your glory. So many of us are hungry for a lot of things, but we're not hungry for his glory. I believe that transformation in us starts by God changing our minds by an appetite to be conformed into his glorious image. Listen to me. The goal of humanity is not to become a better person, become your best you. I understand the idea of that. I want to be the best me that I can be. That's, it's not a biblical idea. That's just kind of an Egyptian idea. Conform to the world, right? I'm telling you, the goal is not to be your best you. The goal of your life as a believer is to become like Jesus. And then you'll be the best you. But I'm not going after, I want to be the best Mark Francie that I can be. be so, Mark, you're going to be good today. You're going to be awesome today. You should be a good person, kind person. I'm going to look in the mirror and say, God, show me Jesus. And when I see him high and lifted up, I start realizing, man, Jesus, you're not stingy and I'm acting stingy. All right. Jesus, I see you and you're a, uh, you're so gracious. I don't feel like being gracious today. God, you're so patient. And I'm hitting every red light on the way to church. And you start seeing Jesus. The problem with American Christianity is we think that God has to conform into our image. I'll worship you if you become like me, God. My view of homosexuality, my view of money, my view of people, my view of politics. If you become like me, then I'll worship you. Whoa. He's not made in your image, my friend. You're made in his image. 
and we don't get to cut and paste. Well, I like this about you, God, but I don't like that about you. So I agree to uh, disagree, and you can be Lord of some stuff, but not all stuff. Listen to me. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. He's either all right or he's all wrong. Well, I agree with parts of the Bible, and I just think some of this is good, and some of that's good, and all religions coexist. And there's fairies, and there's... Problem is, is Jesus says, I am the way. So if all religions were the way, Jesus would be lying to us. I am the way. Well, that's bold. I am the truth. Okay, not, not a truth. And listen to me, one of the things that's also not accurate is when people say, it's not my truth. There is no such thing as my truth. There is the truth. Truth doesn't change from person to person. There's one truth. It's, it's, it's accurate here, there, and everywhere. And if it's not accurate here, there, and everywhere, it's not the truth. It's an opinion. Oh, I feel like I'm scrubbing some brains free today. Got this corrupt conformity that, well, it's my truth and my happiness and my best life. And I'll be the best and all roads coexist. Listen to me. Jesus said, well, well, I believe that he was a prophet. Well, the problem is, is he didn't claim to just be a prophet. Jesus said, I am the doorway between heaven and earth. No one gets to the Father except. Where's the coexist sticker, Jesus? The crowd's getting smaller. Settle down. Church growth isn't happening here if you keep getting fired up. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Come on, that's a bad sermon. Settle down with that stuff, Lord. We're going to lose the crowds. He's like, I'm not, listen, I'm the way. And I'm not trying to mean that. I'm just trying to tell you, he's Lord of everything or he's not Lord of anything. And my conviction is if he's Lord of everything, we go after him with everything. We sing to him with everything. We live with every part of our daily lives, giving him our best. Why would a God that rules and reigns be worthy of our leftover scraps? Well, the Sundays I don't have any plans, I'll go to church. If my kids don't have something going on, then I'll send them to youth camp. This is the funniest thing to me, is we prioritize sports to our kids, and we wonder why when they get to college, they lose their faith. You were so adamant about them being athletic that you neglected your kids becoming godly. I don't care what you say. I care about what you do. You want your kids to love God? Make church a priority. You're going to offend people, Mark. I would rather offend you today and say your kids will not honor God if you don't. Why tell them to love Jesus? Well, they'll love him the way you love him. And if you're, a, you're like a once-a-year Christian, your kids will be once-a-year Christians. I was a youth pastor for 16 years. I had the parents talk their kids out of doing our Bible college. You need to go to regular college. You need to get like your law degree at 14 years old and start making six figures at 19. And they pushed their kids out of God's appetites to get educated. But I've learned this, that education without Jesus only makes more intelligent devils. You want God to guide your children's life. You model to your kids, we are a God-first home. We plan our vacations around church camps. 
We plan our schedule around honoring God's house. Yes. Yes. I'm not lying to you. I don't want my kids getting divorced. I don't want my kids losing their faith, ending up in prison. Your kids will follow your example. I'm sorry. I feel like, well, you're, you're offending some people. I'm just telling you, I know what you want. You want kids that love Jesus. How do you get that? You model it. I honor Sherry and Paul. Would you guys stand up today real fast? I honor you too. Sherry and Paul, would you stand up? These are some of those godly people in our church. Their kids love Jesus. Their grandkids love Jesus. And they have built their lives serving God's house. I want to be like you guys. You're my heroes. The problem with our society is we, we value pretenders in Hollywood more than the real heroes of our society. I'm not against actors and actors. I'm just saying the real heroes of society, they're the ones that say, ask for me in my house, I'm going to serve God. I don't care if it's not sexy on Instagram, if it doesn't post well when your friends are on some beautiful beach and you're here in the tents. Ask for me. And please go on vacation, but not every weekend. Orange County. As for me, as for my house, we're going to serve God. You stand on your feet. We're going to be transformed, one mind, one heart, one family at a time. It's going to start in our neighborhoods, but it's going to affect the nations. If you're here today and you say, Mark, I would love it if God's glory. I give God permission. <clears throat> I don't want to make God in my image. I want him to transform me into his image. Come on, if you want to be more like God, would you just lift your hands? Lift your hands all over these tents. We're going to sing a song. We're going to close. I'm telling you that when you say on earth as it is in heaven, God, show me what you're like. Show me what I'm supposed to be like. Show me how to be a father, how to be a good husband, how to be a good mom, how to be a good wife. Show me how to be a better son, a better, better daughter. Show me how to raise my kids up in the way that they should go so that when they're older, they won't depart from it. Show me, Jesus. Show me, Jesus. Come on, we need a fresh wind in Orange County. Come on, we need a fresh wind in California. We need a wind of the Holy Spirit to make us godly once again. We need a wind of His glory. We need a wind of His, come on, His aroma. Jesus, would you come today? Come on, let's just sing this song, create an atmosphere on earth.
deal, a deal with the devil. Let's do a deal with heaven today. Let's do a deal with God today. As a businessman, a business leader, a woman, teacher, a mom, a dad, all that I am, I want to live. All that I have is yours. I live for you. returning our lives back to you to give God the life that he gave us that's our gift to God today I pray people in here that have never known you in a personal way maybe they walked away from you maybe they've been burnt by church or religion or bad experiences I pray Lord today that you would come and heal the broken heart I pray that today you would come and soften the hard heart I pray for the futile mind, the darkened mind, the, the, the mind that's, Lord, pushing you out. I ask you today that you would soften their heart. As the sun softens butter, would you soften the hard heart with your sweet glory? I pray today, Lord, that we would be a church that lives for your glory. We're not just happy for us and our families to know you. We want to burn for what you burn for. 
We want to have an appetite for what you have an appetite for. So today I pray that we would live for your glory. As welders, as men that are doing root canals in our offices, if we're, God, we're administrating a, 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 a dentist's office, if we're, we're an architect drawing up plans, I pray that all that we do, we would do with you and for your glory. So I ask you today on earth, as we close, as it is in heaven. If there's no one in heaven that doesn't know you, I pray there'd be no one watching online or in these tents that also would not know you. If there's no lost people in heaven, I pray there'd be no lost people in our church. I pray on earth as it is in heaven. If there's no burnt people in heaven, I pray there'd be no burnt people in this church. No unforgiving people in heaven, there'd be no unforgiving people in this church. I pray on earth today, there's no sick people in heaven. I pray there'd be no sick people in this church. Yeah. If you're here today and you say, Mark, would you pray for me? There's something in my life that I believe that God can change like it is in heaven. If it's a physical healing, if it's a mental miracle, if it's a business thing, a family thing, I want you to lift your hands right now. On earth, we're a church that believes. What's our model, Mark? On earth as it is in heaven. Heaven's our goal. Hands lifted all over. If someone's hands up next to you, let's go put your hand on their shoulder. Put your hand on their shoulder, right? Come on, someone's hands up next to you. There's an area in my life I'm believing on earth as it is in heaven. Oceans, I want everybody around this room, come on this tent to pray right now. Say, in Jesus' name, we ask today the way you told us to. I ask as it is in heaven. It would be in their body. It would be in their mind. It would be in their family, their marriage, their children, their business, their finances, on earth as it is in heaven. Sickness go. Cancer leave. Diabetes be healed. Depression leave. In the name of Jesus Christ. On earth as it is in heaven. Now right now, as we, come on, you lift your hands off. Hands down. If you're here and you say, Mark, greatest miracle is going to happen today. And there is someone's esophagus that's getting healed. You have like masses in your chest. I see like tumors in your chest. We actually have a walking, talking miracle here today. His name's Gage. Was Gage here somewhere? Where's Gage at? Gage in the back somewhere. I prayed for Gage. He was in a serious accident. Is he deep in the back? Gage, we're so honored to have you here today. I've never met him in person. He was in a serious accident in October of last year, I believe it was. I remember going in. His mom set it up. The hospital somehow let me, during COVID, go into the, going into his room. He's all these tubes, and they said he wasn't, I mean, I, my mom can tell you it was not looking good. I'm not trying to be, uh, this is not a preacher's exaggeration story. The day I got there, his mom, Stacy, who's a woman of faith, she said, we just got the worst prognosis that we've gotten so far. They were saying, we don't know if his brain's going to come back online. We don't know if he's ever going to come coherent again. He was on just, he was on, he's on a machine. And I went in that room, and I'm like, God. Smith Wigglesworth said this. He said, you will never pray the prayer of faith by looking at the difficulty. We don't look at earth. We look at heaven when we pray. And I haven't met you yet, Gage. But you better believe that this book right here has been on your body. I put it on your stomach in that room when you were hooked up to all those machines. And I said, God, I know what the doctors are saying. But I thank you that we serve a God that on earth 
you said that we can usher in the Roman kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the education of the, of the king, the streets of the king, come on, the climate of the king, as it is on earth in heaven. And I put my Bible on you, Gage, and I just said, God, do what the doctors say that can't be done. Be a walking, talking miracle. And here we are, I don't know how many months later, eight months later, and Gage is at church with us today. Katie, that's a miracle right there. That's a miracle right there on earth as it is in. Miracle right there. Doctors can't believe it. He's walking, he's talking. Miracles. I feel faith in here just rose. If you need a physical miracle today, come on, God, come on. I want you to raise your hand. I got faith right now. I pray what doctors say could not happen. God, if it's, if it's something gnarly like cancer, if it's a cardiac issue, if it's a brain issue, if it's a if it's an autoimmune disease, I command in Jesus Christ's name, would you heal? If you could do it for Gage, I pray if it's a methamphetamine addiction, heroin addiction, do what, what they say cannot be done on earth as it is in heaven. Greatest miracle in the Bible they're happening right now I feel it but the greatest miracle that happens weekly here at Oceans is not when the, the kid gets healed and the, the, the brain comes back online and someone gets off life support the greatest miracle that happens on the earth is when one heart turns back to God I don't want to live for me I want to live for you if you're here today you say Mark I want to turn my life back to God I want to give my life back to Jesus I want to know him and I want to live for his glory. Whether you've never been a Christian and you say, Mark, I want to know God and live for him. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in a second. Or if you're here today and you walked away from God, you got burned by church, burned by religion, burnt out by a bad, bad ex experience. If you're here today and you say, Mark, I want to get right with God. I want to rededicate my life. As for me, as for my house, like Paul, like Sherry, we're going to serve God. If you're here today, all over these tents, and even online, you're going to write heart online. There's many, I believe there's at least seven of you online today. But I believe in these tents right now, many need to rededicate your life. We're, we're, about out, we're about done. I know we went a little long today, but God's moving, so that's all right. Rather get done late with God than get done early without Him. We're finishing right here. If you need to most important thing I did all day, if you need to rededicate your life, or for the first time, put your faith in Jesus, we just lift your hands as we close be out of here in two minutes. On the count of three, one, I pray that every person, eyes closed, that needs to respond, give you their life, or rededicate their lives. Two, would you put courage and obedience in their heart right now? No one's looking. I'm not going to embarrass them. Would they respond right now? Three, I'm out of time. Which real high, real high. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Real high, real high. I see three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, twelve, 12, anybody else? 12, awesome. 13, thank you. 14, thank you. Awesome. All right, 14 people. All right, pray this prayer as we close. Say, Jesus, I invite you. I invite the Holy Spirit into my life. Evict darkness. Kick out anything in me that's not of you. Fill me. Forgive me, heal me, and lead me from this day forward. 
be my God. In Jesus Christ's name. And everybody said amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.